Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversation about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a happier and healthier you. Now here's your host, Randy Boyd. Greetings, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Healing Courageously. On this episode, we are going to talk about fear and anxiety. And with all that's going on in our world today between the pandemic of the coronavirus, the riots, the defund the police, there's a lot of things going on that I've never seen in my lifetime and never thought I would. I'm sure that a lot of people are filled with fear and anxiety, and, and it's understandable that they are. So um, I know that uh, I used to be full of all that uh, until I got in recovery, and then it took me a couple of years to get through my fear and my anxiety of, of life. So I know that uh, fear is real, and it's okay to be fearful. But I think our goal is to turn or, or learn how to not live in fear. I mean, just it, it comes up and it, um, it rears this ugly head, and it can cause a whole lot of different different problems in our life. So we want to work through it, and we we just need to find healthy people to talk to. I mean, that's that's the key to working through a lot of our issues. Is we have to have a, a, a community of people that are like-minded in the fact that it's okay to talk about your fears. It, it doesn't mean that you're weak or, or any of that. It, it's it's life. Um, there's some fears, like, you know, you see a rattlesnake, you better be afraid and, 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 and run. I mean, that's something not even I'm afraid of. It gives me the chilly willies, and I'm an outdoorsman, so i am always got my my eyes open for it. In fact, my son and I were down fishing on the Colorado River here. Uh Actually, it was actually it was last summer is when it was, and we went down. I was going down to grab a branch to to clear out some area for us to to get down to the river. And my son did, said, "Dad, get back!" And all of a sudden, a rattlesnake just started going off. And had I have kept on going down, I would have put my hand right on his head. So we have to be aware of certain things that we're you know we're definitely fearful of. I mean, and 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 that's okay. Anxiety um, is created. Well, let me say this. Number one, I'm not a psychiatrist um, or a psychologist. Um, I've got the education to be a psychologist, but I just, so psychiatrist is where all of our mental issues need to be um, diagnosed. But I've, I've, had, I've had my share. I was, I was diagnosed with anxiety disorder uh, when I come into recovery. And, and through the, the 15 years I've been doing it, I've been able to alleviate that anxiety and part of that is in due to my psychiatrist one day was talking to me he goes you know randy i want you to think about something when, when your anxiety comes over you is it true anxiety which there the anxiety disorder that you can be diagnosed with and that only medicine really can help with um or is it is it um, self-induced anxiety and by that i mean is it something that 
that you've committed to, something that you've done that you've brought on your own anxiety. Um, and that's helped me a lot because a lot of times when I, today, especially today, when I have anxiety, it has nothing to do with the, the mental disorder that I was diagnosed with. I've pretty much taken care of that um, over years with, with the meds, which I'm down to one now, and plus doing all my, my recovery work. So most of my anxiety today is self-induced. By that I mean I've taken on more than I can buy, more than I can chew. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I or or something along those lines. Now, that's me, and everybody's different. But it's just something to look at with the anxiety. So, fear, anxiety, fear and anxiety are both real, um, and everybody needs to learn. Or I would. I would hope that everybody could learn how to deal with both of them and and not live in it. There's a difference of being fearful and having anxiety um, and living in it. And again, with the anxiety, there is an anxiety disorder, which is, and I've had it, and it, there's nothing you can do to stop it when it comes on. It's It'll feel like you're having a heart attack. It's scary, okay? But we do have some alternatives in the world, and and. You know, I am a huge proponent for the mental uh, illness medications prescribed, and and I, I probably have some MDs mad at me, but MDs do not need to be prescribed in psychotropic meds. Um, I think a person needs to be properly diagnosed by a psychiatrist, and only a psychiatrist should be prescribing psychotropic meds. My opinion, my opinion only. Okay. Um, because the psychiatrists, they're doctors of the brain, and they know what's going on. And, uh, you know, they've saved my life. So I'm grateful to the psychiatrists that have been part of my journey. And away from that, you know, there's, there's another, another, another way to relieve our anxiety, and that's with God. And, and I know that a lot of people, especially right now, are probably really struggling with God. But there's some stuff in in the Bible, and and I'm going to go through this on the biblical part. And and again, I I understand that a lot of people struggle with God. I, I truly do. I mean, I did for 38 years, and it just came a point in my life where I had to I had to look at things differently. And when I was able to reflect back on my life um, and see where the God that I was so upset with always helped me when I was in trouble. Um, it made, me, made it real easy for me to turn my life back to God. And God has gotten me through everything. So I'm going to start this off with Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Okay, And, and again, remember, this is, this is, to me, the Bible is everything. And I want, you to, I want you to look at it or listen to it through the eyes of how it can affect you today. All right, because that's the only way that I was able to, to understand the Bible is, is get back to where I know what the context is, I know what the content is, but how is it going to affect me and me? You know, how can I apply it in my life today? How does it apply to me specifically? And when I started doing that, and I, you know, I've talked to the, you know, we have a messianic um, rabbi as one of the pastors at our church, and so he, and he's a theologian, and I bounce a lot of stuff off of him just so I can be clear about it. Um, so I'm going to start by reading Philippians 4, 6 through 9. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but 
In every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The debts I know, and, and I, all I want to do is I want to honor those that are going, but Randy, where's God right now in the way the world is? I know there's a lot of you out there that might be listening that believe in God and understand this, but and are Christians right now, or, or, or whatever faith it is, and you can look at God and and be okay. But there's some of us out there, or some people out there that are going to definitely question God during these times, especially with the the unrest, the, the the hate, and everything else that's out there. So you got nothing else to lose. Nothing else to lose. So prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. If you have to do it 10 times during the day, do it 10 times during the day. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. So what are you doing to, to try to, guide, to, to guard your mind and your heart right now? It's real easy to get caught up, especially with all social media, on what's going on out there. And, and believe me, I... I Right now, I'm I'm working on social media um, blackout. It's hard because I gotta use social media for what I do, but I, I'm working on not getting sucked into all this garbage that's, that's on social media. Just do what I have to do and then get off. So do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, go to God with thanks, even if you. Don't understand it. And, 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 you know, like I was told, even if you don't mean it, go to God with thanks. Okay? Just if we start doing it, our minds and our hearts will eventually change. And present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. And and as hard as that is to believe, and I didn't believe it for a while, but it's true. It absolutely is true. I, I mean, I have my 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 beliefs about what's going on out there and my attitude about that. But I'm really, I really am. I'm at peace, and I don't understand it myself. The only thing I can say is, "But God." It goes on and says, "Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is whole, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable." If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, being God, or seen in me, being God, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So this tells us exactly what to focus on. And it's not the fear, the terrorism, the illness, death, evil, or COVID that's going on in the world. It's telling us to focus on things that are true, that are noble. What is those things that are right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy? Think about those things. You know, there's a. I learned this from my my therapist and. Things that are true. Well, look what's going on in the world, Baba. Two questions. Ask yourself this. Is it true what you're thinking, what your mind's telling you? 
And then the second question would be, because inevitably we can say, yeah, it's true. The second question should be, is it absolutely true? Because there are no absolutes in the world. That's probably a debatable a debatable statement, but the reality is, is there's no absolutes. So ask yourself those two questions. We have to expect problems in the world and in life. Just because we're in recovery, just because we're, we're Christians, just because we're walking with God, just because we're pastors, just because we're you know, priests, whatever, doesn't mean that we are granted a life free of problems. It, it, it doesn't exist. It, it can exist. It's, you hear oftentimes that my life is better than it's ever been, and that's, that's my life, and, and that's true. My life is. But life isn't. I just have learned how to deal with life on life terms rather than trying to change it because we don't have the power within us to change a lot of things. So we have to come to a place of acceptance. If we don't come to a place of acceptance, then we're in a place of, of fighting. And fighting leads, and we're fighting over control of something. So it's going to exhaust us emotionally. It's going to wear our body down. And acceptance does not mean approval, okay? It does not mean approval. So don't be surprised when we have problems like this. I mean, the world is not a, not a, a you know, a, it's not a spiritually happy place. It's a dark and evil place right now. And that's just the reality of it. So you have to bring your own peace and come to a place of acceptance. What's happening within the world is out of your control. So quit fighting it. Protect yourself. Stand up for your rights. Absolutely, I agree 100%. Stand up for our rights. We have to do that. But there's a time and a place for it. And don't let it bring you down. If you're walking with God, he's in control, and we have to know that. We have to know. We have a president out there that I heard the day he walked out on his platform and says, we're going to open up churches. If the, if, if the states don't do it, if the governors don't do it, I am going to overrule it because we can't keep liquor stores open and clinicals, some other things open, but not open the churches for, for worship. And then he walked off the stage. That's what we need. We have a president that's going to stand up for our rights. Some people might disagree with me, and that's okay. That's, that's, you, that's your opinion, and I respect it just as much as I want you to respect mine. Okay? It's not up for debate. I don't want to debate with you. I, I have my feelings, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand by those. Okay? So we can't fight these problems. We're fighting a, a battle of, of darkness, of spiritual warfare that's not of flesh and blood. And the Bible says that's what we're going to do. You know, we have examples in, in the Bible of, um, of you know, leaders that, big leaders that, you know, went through a lot. Let's, let's start with Joseph. You know, Joseph, um, he's, he was 11th of 12 sons. And, you know, Jacob tried to hide him. And when they brought, you know, or he, he I'm sorry, that's the wrong story. Jacob was the 11th of 12 sons, and, and he gave him his coat of, of, of red and gold, which, you know, showed how much favor Joseph had, his dad, how much favor his dad had with Joseph over his brothers, right? And then he talked about the vision that he had, how he was going to rule um, Egypt one day, his brothers. 
okay, that's all fine and dandy, but then, but then he 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 um, his brothers kidnapped him, and they threw him in a pit. So you know, what kind of what kind of fear and anxiety do you think was going on with Joseph at that time? Now it doesn't talk about it in the Bible, so we don't really know. So, but I could just imagine. I mean, you know, okay, God, I mean. What do I do now? I mean, this is not a fun place to be. They're talking about killing me. I'm a little bit scared right now, God. You got to get me out of this mess. And then, then, then when the when the uh, when the um, traders come along, the, the the Midnights traders, right? The brothers grab him, pull him out of the pit. Oh, good, I get to get out of the pit. But instead, he gets handed off to these Midnight traders for twenty pieces of silver, which is, in reality, if you look at it, it's just like. These uh, the the, um, the 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 child traffickers that are going on today. Sorry, the child traffickers that are going on today. So in a sense, he was you know he was being trafficked because then what happened was he went from there. He goes, okay, great. Now now this. Then he's traded to Potiphar. He's or he's actually not paid, traded. He's sold to Potiphar. So he comes from the pit and he sold to Potiphar. Um, and becomes a slave to Potiphar, but in that period of time, he 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 proved um, his worthiness to Potiphar. So Potiphar allowed Joseph to take responsibility for everything in his house, everything, right? And then what happens? Joseph's um, Joseph uh, betrayed by Potiphar's wife. You know, he's, he, he's, he's with his wife one day in the house. She's in the house, and she tries to seduce him. He goes, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. And as, as he runs away, she's got a hold of his, his cloak, and she tears a piece of it off and then goes to Potiphar and says, Potiphar, your, your, your slave Joseph tried to molest me, tried to rape me. So he gets thrown in jail, all right? So then when, while he's in jail— he interprets the dreams for um, the Pharaoh, and eventually he becomes, um, he is put in charge of all of Egypt. But what kind of fear and anxiety do you think he might have gone through in some of those different places? I don't know, but I just know if it was me, even with God, when you're looking at things that, you know, back in those days, it, it was life and death, and death meant death. There might have been a lot he was he was he was afraid of, but I'm sure he turned to God in his fear and his anxiety. And this was a period of uh, 13 years that he went through this, from age 17 to the age of 30, when he finally became the leader of Egypt. And I think about my own story, you know, 38 years for what I went through, and now here I am helping people a leader in my community, a leader in my church. And if you go back, God God sheltered Joseph from his 17th year to his 30th. But here's, here's the important part that when we look at the hard times, it says, but his slavery and prison became the school where God prepared him for greatness. So, what I've done and what Joseph most likely did, and that quote came from um, a book by David Jeremiah, The Shelter in God. i got a couple more I'll be using there. Is that everything that happened to me as a kid prepared me for what I'm doing today. All the abuse I went through, 
my success, my affair, my first divorce, everything that I went through prepared me for today, the fear. The fear I, I, I was at when I was at my stepfather's hands as he was beating me. The humility that I felt every time he was, he was putting me down, screaming and yelling, yelling at me, calling me an idiot. Um, the sexual abuse, all of that. And the thing of it is, is that Jesus went through all of this on the cross. So it was preparing me for what I had to do today, just like it did with Joseph. So some of the greatest leaders, now I'm going to give you a couple more. They had fear of their own. Then we, if we go to Paul, go to 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 33, right? And Paul is talking to the church of Corinth here. Um, after he, he was in prison, it says, Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk this to talk like this. I am more, he says. I am more. I have I have worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again. Five five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Five times he received 39 lashes with a cattail. Could you imagine that? I mean, Jesus endured it once that we know of just the one time. And I don't. I think after one time, it would be real hard-pressed for me, being in Paul's shoes, to say, I don't know if this is worth it. God, I mean, I'm sitting here doing your work, and I'm receiving these kinds of punishment. It'd be hard for me to continue on. But he did it five times he, he received these lashes. So talk about fear and anxiety. Just trust in God that, okay, God, it's so, sooner or later this is going to end. Three times he was beaten with raw. I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger from in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from the false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I have daily, I face daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And do I not feel weak? Who is led into sin? And do I not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and the Father of the Lord Jesus, who is, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. And Damascus, the governor under King uh, Aretas, had the city of Damascus guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in a basket from a window and a wall, and the wall and slipped through the hands. Okay? How much fear and anxiety did Paul have to go through? But yet, along the way, he, he kept believing in God. God, God. God's got a plan for me. He's not going to let me down. Okay? I like 30 when it says, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. 
Because why is he boasting about those? Because it was Jesus that got him through those things. It was the glory of God that helped him get through those, those things, those moments of weakness when he was being beat, when he was out without food, when he was out water, when he was going through all that torture. So we don't, we're not alone in our fear and our anxiety. It might not be as severe as it was for Paul, you know. It, it, it might not, but it's still there. But yet Paul persevered through it all. And it, it, it is, it's also said, been said that at times Paul felt embarrassed to, fit, to defend his ministry and leadership, but he believed he had to do it. Okay? I, that's where I can relate. At times I feel embarrassed to defend my ministry, but I believe I have to do it because no one else is doing it. And my ministry involves helping men and, and their families of sexual abuse victims, men that have been sexually abused. That's, that's my mission, and it's a hard subject to talk about. There's a lot of shame that can be attached to it. I've worked through a lot of that shame, but it's hard to defend. I either got people that are excited about it, but they get excited about it, and then when it's time to get me to come and speak, all of a sudden, we can't talk about that. And, and that's the issue. But we can talk about a woman being, being raped, but we can't talk about men. That, that's a huge injustice to us men, and that's why I'm out there. And it's, sometimes it's hard for me. I have to defend that. Just ask my wife. She'll let you know. It, it's hard. But I, I can't quit. I can, I can remember riding across America on my bike for, for my foundation. I can remember riding up hills, right? It's like, God, this is hard. I mean, just hill after hill some days. It was just like down one mountain, up another mountain, down one mountain, up another mountain. And I wanted to quit. But I can remember saying this. If I quit, if I quit, I'm not quitting on myself. I'm quitting on the thousands and not millions of voiceless men in this world that have been sexually abused that have no voice. So I can't quit. We started counting pedal strokes every single day, and every pedal stroke was one victim that didn't have a voice. And I, I don't have the count in front of me. I just, just put away my, my stuff. But every for 40 days I rode, every day, every stroke of the pedal was one victim that didn't have a voice. And when one in three girls and one in four boys are sexually abused, there's a lot of people. It's just like Paul had his ministry that he had, he was, he was, you know, that he was bringing people to God, teaching them how to be leaders. I'm doing the same thing. People run from God because of abuse. I was one of them for 38 years. So my job, I, I love to work with people that really are, are having a hard time with God. That's my favorite people to work with. I understand them, I, and I know, I know what most of them need, what, what, what they desire and what they need to hear. And so far, that's been pretty successful for me and the people that I, I work with as far as recovery. Because, see, if a leader, if Paul, if Randy, me, if a leader— surrenders their credibility if I was to surrender my credibility as, as a leader and, and as, as a voice for the voiceless men going up those hills and stop my ride my credibility would be shot if Paul 
would have surrendered his credibility because of all the, the, the pain he went through, all the torture he went through, we lose our right to lead. We're not leaders, we're quitters. When you look at Paul, God sheltered Paul in the Arabian desert for three years. And when he emerged from his solitude, he turned the world upside down. So God took care of him for three years while he was in solitude. And then God later sheltered Paul in a Roman prison. So he goes from the, goes from the desert, right, for three years. Now he's in a prison, and by the time the apostle was free, he had written the prison epistles, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Sometimes God does stuff for us that we don't understand, but it's got a purpose for him. I today still struggle with what I, what I went through at point, at some, sometimes, not all the time. And what he has me doing. It's like, I know what my calling is. I know what he wants me to do. But it seems like it's just not, it's like I'm every day it's like I'm up against a block wall. We have to remember that, that the price of leadership is criticism. All right? So we can't be fearful of criticism. But, and Aristotle says it this way, Criticism is something you can't avoid easily by saying nothing, doing nothing, and being nothing. So we can avoid it by saying nothing, doing nothing, and being nothing. But why? what's driving us to do those three things? Fear? What are we fearful of? What are we fearful of? What's Paul fearful of? What was Joseph fearful of? You know, fearful of, of being criticized, being looking stupid, so to speak, looking like you don't know what you're doing, looking like who do you think you are? I mean, these are some of the things that when I was writing my book, Healing the Wounded Child Within, I, I, I battled with those voices almost daily. Fear comes in a lot of different ways. And we have to learn how to recognize it and be okay with it but don't live in it. Don't let it grab a hold of you where it just keeps you frozen. And, and being transparent and honest, it's been one of the issues I'm dealing with over the last couple months, especially with doing live feed, writing blogs, and then, then the, um, the podcast, right? It's like, who's going to listen? Who's going to care? And sometimes, I mean, it's like, and some of the, the numbers sometimes will back that up. It's like my 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 believers, my my wife, the people that that believe in me, the people that are, are behind me pushing me. They say, "It's Randy. Just keep doing it." Yeah, you know who are you doing it for? Do you want the masses? We the reality is, it would be nice to have a lot of people hear this. But if I help one person, then then I've done what God wants me to do. And God still teaching me and, 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 and showing me some things that I have to learn along the way. Because this is, you know, just like Paul, it's not an easy journey. You know, Paul, Paul went to the church of Corinth. How can Paul talk to all these people the way he talks to them? 
The big book of Alcoholics Anonymous says this. You cannot transmit something you have not got. So, so Paul, he's been through everything. It's like me. I've been through a lot. So don't come to me with an excuse because it's not going to work. And same with Paul. Paul goes, yeah, well, this is what I went through. And here I am serving God faithfully still. That Those are the things that allow us to be good leaders. It's not that we're putting people down. But we know because we've been there. We've walked a, we've walked a road that's not easy. A rock, walked a road of pain. One thing that Paul did too, we have to remember, is we have to, just like Paul, he attacked the problem head on. He didn't tap around it. He, he attacked all of his problems head on. Right? He could have retreated after he got beat, you know, five times. He could have retreated with, you know, really, God, here I am again. No food, no water, no clothes. Here I am stuck in the middle of the ocean for two days. Here I am stuck on an island by myself. He could have retreated any time he wanted. But instead, the way I understand it, he used those to get closer to God. When we're fearful, what else do we have to lean on? God, in my eyes. That's, I mean, there's, what do we have to lose? Nothing, if you ask me, nothing. <laughs> so here's some of the problems that we may face, okay? People may disappoint us, truth. People will, not may, people will disappoint us. That's just a fact of life. They're, they're imperfect. They're, they're human beings, your finances may get worse. I think a lot of people are experiencing that right now. I went from making six figures um, a year, having all my expenses paid for, doing whatever I want when I had my business, to not making no money. And it's been since 2011. I make very, very minimal amount of money right now. But my wife, thank God, my wife is, is a very loving and kind and supporting wife, and she has a very good job, and we're, we're okay. No, we can't do all the things we used to do, okay? Those were just things. And yeah, believe me, money makes things easier, and it can make your life a little bit happier for a period, a short period of time. But I'm finding a lot more happiness not having the stress of that business. My wife and I are happier than we've ever been. We laugh more than we've ever laughed. We're not perfect. We have our issues still. We have our pro- we have our days, but we don't need that six figure. It took it, it's it's it was taking away a lot of stuff from us. Your health may suffer, which is probably inevitable. I mean, I've had my share of that of that as well. My wife sat on my by my bed for two weeks while I was in a coma, not knowing, knowing if I was going to live or die. She was there every single day religiously. A close f- friend or spouse may reject you, and that's going to happen. My therapist told me, Randy, people are going to reject you. They're going to lie to you. Uh, they're going to make fun of you. They're going to leave you. They're going to abuse you. That's just a part of life. But what we have to do is we just can't take it personally. And too many people take things personally. And I could do a whole lesson on don't be taking things personally. 1 John 4, 4 says this. You are a God. You are of God. Little children. And have overcome them. Because 
He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Remember that. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We've got to believe that with all of our heart. So when people are, are making fun of you or rejecting you, you know, oftentimes it really, it really has nothing to do with you. It has more to do with some internal battles that that person might be going through. And they just don't know how to communicate. Bottom line, they don't know how to communicate. You might have said something to them that maybe you've talked to them about 500 times before. And this one time, the way you said it, they got triggered. We have to remember this. This is really important. Either God is everything or God is nothing. There is no in-between. He is or he isn't. You can't be on the fence about this. You just can't be. And, and I understand it can be hard hard not to be on the fence. But you're either in or you're not. right? You either believe or you don't. There's no in-between. John 1.3 says this, Through him all things are made. Okay, so God is everything. It says right there, Through him all things are made. It says God is everything. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Nothing. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So he's either everything or he's nothing. Nothing, absolutely nothing in God's world happens by accident. You need to understand that. And man, this, this is a hard, hard thing for people to understand. Especially when I started telling people my abuse. You know, it was part of God's plan for my life. Because if I wouldn't have been abused, I wouldn't be able to help the people I'm helping today. Randy, God, had, he had nothing to do with that. Well, excuse me. The Bible says that God knows everything about you before you're even in the, your mother's womb. Before you're born, your plan, whole life is planned out. So why, why is it that he has everything to do with all the good stuff but nothing to do with the bad stuff? Now, understand me. Please hear me here, okay? Please hear me because people misinterpret what I just said all the time. God did not do that stuff to me. Man did. My stepfather did it. He gives man free will. He's a gentleman. God is a gentleman. He won't step in. Okay? The devil, he uses our fathers and our mothers and our relatives to turn us as children against him. And believe me, that's exactly what happened to me. Okay? So I am not saying that God abused me. He did not. But he's a gentleman. Man abused me. In the name of Jesus, even. So that was the hardest part right there. Okay? Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will, ex- I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So there's a good mantra right there for you to do in a, in a good meditation. You break it down. Richard Rohr breaks it down great in his book as a mantra on a meditation, be still and know that I am God. So first, just sit and be still and know that, hey, I'm God. I'm, I'm in control. God is God. Yahweh, God the Creator. And then go be still and know that I am. 
And then just sit and be still and know that God is. I am. I am the air that you breathe in. I'm the green in the trees. I'm the ocean. I'm the waves of the ocean. I'm the snow on the high mountain peaks. I'm the tropics. I'm everything beautiful. I'm the sunrise. I'm the sunset. I'm everything beautiful. I am here for you. Be still and know. And just be still and know that you're okay. Just be still and know. Everything's good. As long as I can just stay focused on God, even if it's for these couple, five minutes, ten minutes, and a time of meditation, you're good. And be still. Just be still. Quiet your mind. Find somewhere that's peaceful for you. Sit quietly and meditate. Watch hummingbirds. Watch the watch the the, the watch watch the birds fly. W- whatever floats your boat. And lastly, just be. Just be, because there's nothing else for you to do than just be. Relax. Relax in the arms of God. Deuteronomy. 31.6, and this is Moses, he, Moses is the author of Deuteronomy, and he's speaking to the Israels, he's speaking to Israel and Joshua on his 120th birthday about how we're always in the presence of God. He says, be strong and, and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. So just know, just be strong and be of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. God will never leave you or forsake you. It might feel like it because it certainly did to me for many, many years. But he never did. He was always right there for me every time I needed him. So walk through this time right now of fear and anxiety. Turn your fear and the courage and your anxiety into strength. We're going to be okay. It might not be okay like you would perceive it to be okay, but you're going to be okay. And remember, I'm just going to go back to the opening prayer to close this out. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, and whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, being God, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. 
let's try to focus our, our thinking and our minds on the positive because there's so much negative in the world right now out there that it, it'll bring anybody down and it'll, it'll drive a lot of fear and anxiety into people. So we have the power within us to change that negativity and even if it's in our own life, let's start being positive about stuff. Find find stuff to be grateful for every day in your own family, in your own life. And let's start living in an attitude of gratitude. And hopefully by doing that, that will get you away from being fearful and anxious, okay? And when it comes up, it's going to come up. That's okay. Don't fight it. Switch to the attitude of gratitude, Okay. I hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll be back uh, in our in our next episode. And in the meantime, if you want, you can check out my website, Courageous, CourageousHealers.org. That's our um, foundation, Courageous Healers Foundation website. You can see what's going on with the foundation. Or my life coaching um, website is ChangeYourLifeStoryNow.com, ChangeYourLifeStoryNow.com. Check those two websites out if you if you want help with coaching anything in life from marriage to abuse to addiction to spiritual uh, coaching. Uh, that's what that's what I do. My wife and I do the marriage counseling. We are Symbus certified, so we do the Symbus assessment test uh, with all of our marriage uh, couples, either that have been married or um, that are getting married. It's like 99%, 99.9% accurate, and it's not a psychological assessment. It's more of a life uh, assessment. It's pretty good. It's uh, All of our couples really get, get a lot out of it. Also, you can get my books, um, Healing Healing the Wounded Child Within. You can get that on Amazon. It's available in paperback, Audible, and on Kindle. And my my um, my devotional, chain, uh, 30-day Devotional to Wholeness, it's available in paperback and Audible. No, not Audible, I'm sorry, um, Kindle. And then you also can get my 7-Day Challenge um, workbook, and that's available in paperback, all on Am- Amazon. So, And we got some workshops coming up, so if you go to the website, you can read about the workshops. So remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. More importantly, God does. Everybody be blessed and have a super, super good weekend. Bye-bye. Or a super good week or whatever day of the week it is that you're listening to. Be blessed. Bye-bye.